Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. As I read these, I just encourage you, close your eyes maybe. And just posture your heart with this question. What could God say to me this afternoon? Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Why don't you welcome Murray as you grab a seat. Thank you, Alex. What a delight it is to be here at New Life. Hello, everybody. Beautiful Sunday afternoon, huh? Uh, Emma and Alex for that um, brilliant interview. So good. Uh, can I just uh, perhaps introduce you to my family? I think I've got a photo. Um, so this is, um, this is them. It's a pre-COVID photo. We need a new one because we were in Disneyland at the time. But that's, uh, that's my wife, Jane. And we've been happily married for 33 years and unhappily married for one. <laughs> it was my fault. It was our first year. We're going to build a house. I said, let's live in a caravan to save money. It was a small caravan. We couldn't actually stand up straight. And the toilets and showers were 30, 50 metres away. It was terrible. There we go. Marriage tip for the young blokes. Don't do that in your first year of marriage. And, um, and then on the left is my youngest daughter, Alice, and her husband, uh, Jordan Staines. And on the right, no, that's on the right. She's on the right. On the left is my oldest daughter, Emily, and her husband, Alex Pappas. And they moved to L.A. about two months ago. Um, but he comes from there, so, you know. It happens. It's not that far away. Speaking of LA, the 2nd of July, 1982. Who remembers it? <laughs> yes, I've got about three friends in the, in the place. Um, weird thing happened in LA. Pilots flying in and out of LA airport reported seeing what looked like a guy sitting in a chair up at their level tied to a bunch of balloons floating in the air. And it was true. This guy called Larry. Larry had this brilliant idea. Larry was a truck driver, and he thought he would just, this is the times before drones, um, he thought he would just like to be able to have a look at his neighbourhood. So he and his girlfriend went down to a shop and they bought 45 weather balloons, not little balloons, you know, weather balloons, filled them with helium, tied them to a chair, a lawn chair, which he then tied to his truck. And his idea was he could just you know, get released and float around. So he hopped in the chair, tied himself in. He had with him a BB gun to shoot out the balloons so he could come back down. He had, yep, smart. He had a CB radio. That was smart too. He had uh, peanut butter sandwiches and a Forex of beer. Uh, uh, sorry, a six-pack Forex. That's Australia. Six-pack, wrong number, of beer. So his girlfriend let him go. 
instead of just sort of going up and floating around above the neighborhood, he shot into the air. So he managed to shoot out a few balloons and then he dropped the gun. Yeah. So he did what you, you know, what anybody would do. He opened a six pack and floated up pretty fast. Um, he got to about 2,000 feet, blanked out. Um, eventually ended up at 16,000 feet where the aeroplane spotted him. Finally, eventually made his, you know, it descended. And by the time he got down to earth, the media had gathered, a swarm of them. They'd already nicknamed him Lawn Chair Larry. And they said, why did you do it? And he said, well, you just can't sit around. It would seem that Lawn Chair Larry was struggling with a purpose in life. You just can't sit around. What will I do? You know, I think uh, already Emma has so wonderfully talked about it. I think there are two big questions of life that are sort of deep built into the human heart. And those are the questions of identity, who am I, and purpose. Why am I here? Why am I on the planet? And we heard Emma talk about that being worked out in, in a calling to nursing. So for each of us, we could have different purposes that we feel called to, but there's this undergirding purpose. And Jesus, I believe, spoke about both of these in this passage we read about tonight as he said, go make disciples with the presumption that you are one to start with. Here's your identity, an undergirding identity for those of us who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Go and then make disciples as a purpose, again, an underlying purpose of life, as many of you would know, back in Jesus' time, the idea of a disciple wasn't a foreign one, it was a quite a common one. So back there, um, uh, people who, who worked their way up through the, um, I guess, the religious academic world um, to be sort of the cream of the crop, they, they became what were called rabbis. And you'll notice if you read the Gospels, Jesus is often, often called one of those, or teacher. And uh, a rabbi would invite certain people to come and, and become his disciples. Uh, this was much more than an intellectual exercise. This was probably, probably a little bit more, rather than a professor and students, this was almost like, a, say, a master builder and apprentice because it was a whole-of-life experience. Certainly they did learn, but the goal of a, of a disciple was to become an imitator of the rabbi by living with them, by, by being with them so much they could learn how they, how they ate and how they walked and how they talked and even eventually how they thought. And that was the idea. And, and so when, when we are called disciples, the idea is that we are, and I, I love the, the mission of this place, that we are to be more like Jesus. This is, part, this is being a disciple. is one who says, okay, I, I, I'm going to follow closely. I'm going to observe deeply the life of this one, Jesus, and, and become an imitator of him. Uh, and so we called to be disciples as a core identity and then to make disciples as a core purpose. And there's an echo here of the garden where God created people and it said that he said to them, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And this is at the heart of being a disciple. Not only being one, but then duplicating, making disciples. When my wife gave birth to our second daughter, Alice, and uh, it was here in Brisbane at a hospital, and uh, I made a massive mistake. 
um, I've made a few of them, obviously, as a husband. Here's tip number two. You didn't think you're coming to a marriage seminar, but here we go. Tip number two, because she was like in the in the labor time, you know, contractions, everything's going on. We're there in the hospital, and we're moments away from birth, and apparently I yawned. Yeah, didn't go down well. Yep, so there we go. Tip number two, don't yawn as your wife is about to give birth. Um, she's never let me forget it. You know, birth may sort of seem like, look like an event, but it's not, is it? It's a process. It's a nine-month process. And it's the same for those of us coming into this relationship with God. For some of us, it's longer. For some of us, it's shorter. But for all of us, it's a journey. We heard something of Emma's journey tonight, a journey into this relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And... Uh, you know, this, this journey, it could be, a diagram is always going to be a very weak representation. But, but here's a kind of diagram that maybe, maybe sort of like, we could maybe think of it like this. Your journey is going to be different to mine. We're all going to be, it's, it's not this simple. And yet, yet perhaps we could say, generally speaking, that we start somewhere and coming to sort of an understanding that there is actually a supreme being. And there may be a revelation, a realization that this is this, this supreme being is revealed through Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came, and then finally moving through to a place where I, a recognition, I, I need him in my life, and an acceptance, a repentance, and an acceptance of him. This, this journey of faith. And, and so I want to suggest to you that making disciples is simply helping others on this journey of faith. This passage that we read tonight is often called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. It needs to be read alongside a couple of other passages of Matthew. In Matthew 22, Jesus has asked this question, what's the greatest commandment? So this is called the Great Commandment. And he answered, he said, loving God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. And this is always the motivation for which, by which we fulfill the great commission. It's a love of others. I was reading Proverbs uh, this week, Proverbs 19.22, and uh, it's, it said this, what a person desires is unfailing love. What a person desires is unfailing love. I got thinking about it. I thought, you know, I think this is true. It's like God has planted in every heart this desire for unfailing love. And we can find love and and. Perhaps we can find really wonderful love in, in people around about us, but ultimately there's only one place to find unfailing love, and that's in the person of Jesus Christ. St. Augustine, back in around 400 AD, he wrote these uh, words in the Confessions. He's, he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. This is that desire in every heart for unfailing love. And, and, and those of us who are already disciples, we have this great privilege of helping others find this unfailing love. The, the, the motivation for fulfilling this great commission must never be guilt or, or some kind of religious obligation, but rather is a, a, gr a gratitude for the unfailing love that we have found in Christ and then this desire to help others into that same space. And the other passage in Matthew is Matthew 25. We have the Great Commission. 
which is motivated by the great commandment, but then finds expression in what some have called the great compassion. And this is the passage where, where Jesus, he's uh, talking to his followers, and he says, he says um, that uh, some of you, you know, I was, I was hungry and you fed me, and I was naked and you clothed me, and I was in prison and you visited me. And, and they say, Lord, when were you hungry and we fed you and naked and we, you clothed you in prison and we visited you? He said, well, when you did this, this to the least, you did it to me. This is the great compassion that there are those around about us who we help. We help in some practical way. I have two friends, um, Liza and Claude, and they are young mums, and uh, they were running Alpha in their church in Brisbane, and uh, that was great. It was going well. And then they thought, this is great in here. Is there some way we could help people outside of here also and so they were looking around and in their area they saw that there was the uh, the juvenile detention center youth detention center of Brisbane and so they boldly went and they asked if they could run alpha in this place and they were allowed they said yes and and so they came in and it was challenging and difficult and and uh, this was four years ago, and then COVID hit, and, and they could no longer actually go in, and they thought, well, we don't want this to stop us. So uh, they actually started writing letters. Uh, they couldn't have show the videos, but they wrote out the Alpha every week, uh, letters to these young people, and they sent the letters, and they sent letters of prayers, uh, and so they kept going. And then, then after COVID relaxed, they, um, they kept going. They kept getting other people to go with them. Uh, they've now got, they were just telling me this week, they've got 35 volunteers going in every week to this youth detention centre. And the youth detention centre has, has so seen the, the change in the, that's happening in the lives of young people who are finding unfailing love. This year alone, 20 young people in that centre have said yes to Jesus. They're finding this place in God. It is, is, it just blows my mind. The youth attendant said, I hope everyone's allowed to know this. I'm speaking on a microphone, but anyway, I'm going to tell you. The youth attendant center have given Liza and Claude literally keys to the youth detention center. They said, you are making such a difference. We want you and your volunteers to come in here anytime you can. They go in there during the week. They play games with them. They play sport with them. They have church meetings with them. They have them in different little groups, and they run Alpha, and it's transforming lives. Motivated. So how, how incredible that somebody actually has literally been able to go into a prison and help those in that kind of space. But around about us, for many of us, we, um, there certainly are people in great need in Brisbane, but probably for many people in Brisbane, it's not going to be a matter of external hunger, nakedness, prison. It's those that are on the inside, isn't it? It's, that, it's an impoverishment of the soul and sometimes an imprisonment of the soul. And uh, in those spaces, God calls us to make disciples. This passage, uh, if you look at the original Greek, it could be translated and in some versions is translated this way rather than just go make disciples. Uh, the, the, the tense of the original Greek would suggest it says, as you go, make disciples. As we go about our lives, as you go about your ordinary life and my life, as we go about wherever we are in our neighborhood, go make disciples. 
people around about us in need of some love, some kindness, some encouragement, some care. Perhaps it's even a prayer. Do you know there's an interesting thing? A lot of Aussies are a little bit shy on some religious invitations, although the statistics tell us, surveys tell us that about four in ten would say yes to come to something like an alpha if asked by somebody they trust. But many of them are a little bit shy, but something that nearly every Aussie will say yes to if you ask them is, can I pray for you? You're in conversation with somebody and they mention something in their life that isn't going great. And if you would have the courage to say, can I pray for you? Nearly always they will say yes. Remarkable. However, what they don't expect is that you're going to pray right then. They probably expect you're going to go to a cathedral and light a candle or whatever is in their head. And so what blow their mind, but if you have the courage, you can just say, could I put my hand on your shoulder if you want to do that? That's just a signal that something's about to happen. And then you pray. And you pray with faith, believing God loves them and is going to bring an answer to this challenge. Please don't play, pray religious type prayers. Oh God, you know, forget it. Just gentle, conversational. Father, you love this person and would you come and meet them in that moment of need? And amazing how God shows up and does incredible things. People around about us helped on the journey. Oh, yeah. But here's the super great part. So we've had the Great Commission that is motivated by the Great Commandment that finds expression in the Great Compassion, but the super great is the work of the Holy Spirit because this is not for us to do in our own capacity. This is not just for something that we have to sort of somehow try to work up the courage and the strength, but the Holy Spirit, again, that, that, that Emma was talking about and Alex, this Holy Spirit comes to fill us and to empower us for this task that he calls us to do. And John 7, there Jesus talked about the Spirit being like a river of living water that would flow from within his disciples. This is a beautiful picture here that as we go about our lives, there's a river that's available to flow out and help and bless those around about us. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, particularly because I've got a problem. You probably don't have it, or maybe I've got a real problem. I found that I am a flawed human being. No, I mean deeply flawed human being. Any friends? Oh, good. Great. We've got a few of you. Fantastic. I suspect those who didn't put up their hand are more flawed than the rest of us, maybe. <laughs> You've just identified yourself right there. Seriously, I blow it a lot. And I need the Holy Spirit. I mean, hey, you know, funny. I'm trying to love the people around me. You know, we live in an apartment um, not far from here. And there's a guy next door. We moved in three years ago. And there's a guy right next door. And I met him, you know, went and knocked on the door, met him when we moved in. And, and uh, I don't see him much. He goes to work at 5 o'clock in the morning. Hardly ever see him coming home. But this week, we happened to collide at the door. Met at the door. And so I put on my Christian smile. Hello, Peter. You know, I was taught when I was young, you know, a name is like a key to somebody's life. Hello, Peter. He said, my name's not Peter. My name's Bruce. I've been calling him Peter for three years. <laughs> Gee, can't even get somebody's name right. 
Holy Spirit, that may be a trivial one. I'm a lot more flawed than that, people. Holy Spirit, fill me. I need the fruit of the Spirit. Because the world around me needs more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I need all nine. Anybody else join me there on that one? Oh, boy, don't we ever. But the Holy Spirit wants to come and have that river of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness gentleness flowing out from us to the world around about us. You know, yes, we're flawed, but that shouldn't be an excuse for poor behavior. But it should be a motivation to lean on the Lord and to let his spirit fill us. Paul talks about God's power being made perfect in our weakness. Hey, you know, it even gets better than that because not only does the Holy Spirit want to work in us and flow from us, but the Spirit is working in the people around about us. Just think about it. Surely God loves those people around about us even more than we ever could. And so he's at work. I love a quote from a Canadian theologian, Daryl Johnson. And he says, evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. Isn't that brilliant? Do you think the Holy Spirit was already having a conversation with Emma when Alex turned up in her life? And Alex just had to join that conversation. St. Francis of Assisi, who's ever heard this quote? I think it goes something like, um, preach at all times and if necessary, use words. Anybody heard that? Don't put your hand up because he never said it. No record that he said it. No record that any of his followers ever said it. Misquote. Popular myth. What he did say was, would you please, and this is my words, would you please make sure that your words and your actions line up? Because he was somebody who certainly helped practically, but he was also a preacher of the gospel. Sometimes it's our words. You may know this, the amazing story of Jesus meeting a woman at a well, and she's a very isolated woman, a social outcast, and he meets her at a moment of need and ministers to her in a way that she finally runs off into the town and she says to the town people, come, see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. What a powerful, simple word of invitation. Come. Never underestimate the power of invitation. How many of you have ever had a... Don't put your hand up again. How many of you ever had a dating knockback? How many of you, when you had your dating knockback, gave up and never asked again? I hope some people are laughing on the front row. I think there are stories going on. Actually, I asked that question in a church a couple of weeks ago, and, and a guy did put his hand up when I said, how many people have had a dating knockback? And this guy put his hand up. And, uh, and when I said, uh, you know, did, have you, did you give up? And he shook his head and pointed next to him. And there was a woman who, yep, well, good on you, mate. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, sometimes it's a, it's a challenge, and it's a, to the, 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 um, the scary part of, of saying to somebody, would you come? Would you come? Alex said, would you come? But uh, what an amazing thing when somebody does come, and we get to be a part of moving them on that journey of faith. I've got a friend, um, his name is Yazdan, and his wife, Nargis, and they... Um, 
they were invited. They'd just moved to Australia, um, come to Australia on through Christmas Island from another nation, and they've been brought up in a totally different religious system. But they were invited to come to a Christmas service um, by Nicola. And they came, it was the first time they'd ever heard about Jesus, first time they heard the story of him coming as a baby and, and then uh, becoming the saviour of the world. And then Nicola invited them to come to Alpha. And they did Alpha and they did it twice because the language was a bit of a challenge. But by the end of that time, they came to say, yeah, Jesus, we want you to be our Lord. We want to be followers. And, uh, you know, ever, ever since, uh, I, I get texts from Yasdin quite often and we exchange scriptures and encouragement. He, he thinks I'm his spiritual dad because I was the one speaking at that Christmas service. But the hero of the story is Nicola. He said, would you come? Would you come? Alex saying, would you come? We like to say this at Alpha, that the invitation is our job. The acceptance is the Holy Spirit's job. We're not here to push or strive or, or twist anybody's arm. My call to action, if I can put it that way tonight, is would you, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you consider yourself a follower, do you also consider yourself somebody who is making disciples? And would you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit? And as you go, as you go about your life, perhaps you already do that, but if that's something that you're just not that familiar with or feel that comfortable with, yeah, it does take some courage, but the Holy Spirit will give you that too. Here's a great prayer to pray, and we may pray this in a few moments, Alec, but the great prayer, it's a simple prayer, come, Holy Spirit. It's a great prayer to pray every morning. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me today. I want to be open today to the nudges of the Spirit, to just saying that word, of, bring that word of encouragement, that word of invitation. I'm available, Holy Spirit. Secondly, maybe somebody here and that diagram that I had up there before, you might say, well, I'm still on the journey. And then there comes that time, that moment in time when you finally say, you know what? Yeah, this is for me. This is for me. I want to become a follower. I want to become a disciple. You can do that tonight and we can pray together. And a great miracle happens in your heart. You heard about it happening in Emma's life and it can happen in your life tonight by saying, yes, Jesus, tonight I believe in you. I wonder if you would all just get, join me in prayer for a moment. And that first prayer of availability, of saying, Holy Spirit, I am available. And those of you who would say, I am a follower, in fact, anybody is welcome right now to join me in this prayer. You may even, it's the prayer, come Holy Spirit. That's as simple as it is, and yet that's as, all it needs to be. And perhaps uh, just as though you're going to receive a gift, sometimes we just like to put our hands out. And if you want to do that, if you're comfortable to do that, please do. And together I'm going to invite us to say out loud twice, just to repeat it, but come Holy Spirit and just allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us 
and empower us. Perhaps you, like me, are saying, oh, I, I need more fruit of the Spirit flowing from me, that river of life flowing from me. And so that's part of our prayer, come Holy Spirit. Perhaps in this moment, too, there could just be in your, the Holy Spirit could already be dropping the name of somebody. Or somebody comes into mind and, and this is somebody and the Spirit is encouraging you to help that person on the journey of faith. And so together, let's together say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Just once again, come Holy Spirit. Just waiting for the Spirit to have that moment to speak. second prayer for whoever is here tonight and tonight is your moment to say Jesus I need you and I receive you again it's as simple as that but you will know within yourself just this call of God right now this is your moment to step in to a relationship with almighty God through Jesus Christ and for you I also invite you to join that prayer Say, Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. And there is a third prayer and a final one. And as I was driving here, I sensed the nudge of the Spirit. And this is for, as I was talking about the unfailing love of God, this was someone who says, if you ask me if I'm a Christian, I would say yes, but I'm struggling in that space to really believe in the unfailing love of God and it has something to do with the disappointment of life and particularly of people and their behavior. And the voice of the Spirit to you in this moment is you can trust in the unfailing love of Jesus, if you will open your arms. Don't, don't let the failings of people keep you from the arms of a loving Savior. And you too can say, come Holy Spirit. I wonder if everybody could stand. This worship team is going to lead us in a moment, uh, if you at all. And just once again, once again, for everyone who's willing, open our hearts and open our hands and together say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. I'm going to encourage you to open your heart as we come to this moment of worship. Don't, the Spirit is continuing to speak into lives right now and into your heart. Hmm. Just a voice of the Spirit to say, there is more, there is more, there is more of God, there is more of the Spirit of God flowing out of you and into others. Mm.